Jesus is telling the young people, this service isn't for them, but it's for you. It's them serving you, right? It's them serving you. It's them ministering to you. And I encourage you guys, show them your support. Respond to their word. They've studied. They've prayed. Some have fasted. Respond to the word. Amen? Amen. So, Revive Youth, Timothy 4.12 says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And that's a great reminder, especially for the next few young people we're about to introduce. We have some of the, and all these young people are amazing and great, but we're bringing up some of these young people who have lived the life of a Christian young person, which is not easy. Y'all have been there before, going from generation to generation, but still, being a young person is not easy. Being a grown-up is not easy, but being a young person is definitely not easy. So right now, I'm going to bring out the first young lady to the stage. She's an amazing woman of God. I will call her a woman of God. She shows it in her lifestyle, in the way she dresses, in her speech, just like the scripture says. And this is also credited to the parents, like Pastor John already had said. Credited to the parents. But we'd like Sister Ashlyn Gregory to come up. time I said praise the Lord everybody I'm gonna talk to you guys about a few things tonight but before I get started I want to thank my mom and my dad and Tim and Jerry Ann and pastor and sister Johnson for allowing me to speak it's truly truly an honor to be up here now if you have your Bibles please stand and turn to Luke chapter 17. I'm going to be reading verses 15 through 19. When you have it, say amen. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. You may be seated. I'm going to talk to you guys for just a little while on the subject of incomplete faith. Now, I'm sure a lot of you have heard or read this story before, but if you haven't, I'll kind of give you a rundown of the story. 
So Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and there were 10 men with leprosy. Now, for those of you who don't know what leprosy is, um, the definition of leprosy, according to Webster's Dictionary, is a disease that affects your eyes and your nose and your peripheral nerves. I don't know what that is, but... Now, when having leprosy, if it's left untreated, people's, like, hands and feet will get all bent up like this, and a white, crusty blister is everywhere. So I'm sorry if I just ruined your after-church dinner at In-N-Out or Canes. I apologize. Anyways, this disease is highly, highly contagious, in which people with leprosy stayed in their own little groups together away from the rest of society. And that was such that there was a law in place in those days prohibiting them from having contact with people without the disease. So here we have Jesus traveling to Jerusalem on the border of Samaria and Galilee when off in the distance he sees a group of men and they've been calling out to him. They're like, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And Jesus responded to them and said, go, show yourself to the priest. So they turned and they went to find the priest. The reason for sending them to the priest was that it was his duty to declare them cleansed of all diseases. Now Jesus could have healed them for all to see right that very second. But he gave them this command because it would test their faith in him. Something was required of them to truly be cleansed. As they began to walk in faith, they were healed. There was only one man out of all the 10 who upon seeing that he was healed, turned back and came to Jesus and glorified him with a loud voice and fell to his feet, thanking him. So I say to you tonight, the 10 lepers weren't healed until they acted in faith and turned to head to the priest. I wonder if they had a lot of faith or just a little. We don't know. What we do know is that they needed to have some faith in order to actively go to the priest. Now in your life and in your mind, God will never let us off the hook of faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of him that diligently seek him. God room. God rewarded the ten lepers' faith by healing them. Though faith is important and God honors that, I would suggest that the nine lepers who continued to the priest had incomplete faith. Because even more than the measure of our faith, God cherishes our gratitude and our thankfulness for what he does for us.
Now, with this one thankful man, God was sensitive to that. God loves, loves to bless us. However, I believe God might be, well, disappointed in the fact that we are not grateful and thankful for the many blessings and the healings that he bestows upon us. How could you not thank God from healing your body from this dreadful disease? I mean, the blister is everywhere and you're crippled. I mean, the Apostle Paul alluded to this when he wrote to the church in Thessalonians, instructing them to, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So Jesus turned to the man and he asked, were there not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? I suggest to you tonight that faith combined with thankfulness is what made this man whole. So we must remember this story as we go through life. And tonight I encourage you to have faith in every circumstance, adversity, or situation that comes your way. And remember to be thankful and grateful so that we may complete our faith in him. Why don't you take a moment and just respond to the word. Thank you, Jesus. If you're grateful, give God a hand. Praise. You may be seated. <clears throat> All right. Now this next young man that's coming up, this is going to be special. This is special. Um, as a musician, you know, sometimes we kind of can get this stereotype of, you know, hiding behind our instrument or just, you know, sitting there and just playing music but and not having anything more but gosh if this year has taught me anything is that you're you're more than just that amen we're more than musicians you're ministers and so the next young man we've watched him grow up on this pew second pew some of you've seen him grow up with his drumsticks sleeping under the pew but now he's going to come up and deliver a word for us. Ryan, Paul.
guys would stand for the word of the Lord. <laughs> I will be reading from 2 Samuel 11, 2 through 5. When you get there, say amen. If you're looking at the screen, say amen. There we are. <laughs> then when it happened, one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful and to behold. So David went and inquired about the woman, and some, someone said, Is that not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elohim, the wife of Uriah and Hittite, the Hittite? Then David sent a messenger and took her, and she came to him. And he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity. And she returned to, the, to her house, and the woman conceived. So she sent and told David, said, I am with the child. What I'd be speaking on tonight is it starts with a thought. You may be seated. Um, in, this, in this passage, David walks out onto his balcony and sees a woman bathing, which is Bathsheba. And he started having certain thoughts. Obviously, in those thoughts was sleeping with the woman. And some of us can be like that, but not in that specific situation. Sometimes we let a thought determine what we do with our actions. The enemy will... Um, <clears throat> With, with those thoughts, the enemy can trick you. He will tell you to sin again because you have done it before. And with that thought, and if you focus on that thought for too long, you will eventually give in. But, sorry. Too many times people will give in to that thought because they hold on to it for so long. And then when they ask for repentance, it's they almost question if God even still loves them and will forgive them because they've done it so much. And then that's another thought that enemy will put in. God doesn't love you and he won't forgive you and stuff like that. And with the thought constantly in your mind, it's easy to give in to temptation and sin. But if it's easy to give in and to... Uh, make decisions off of a thought, then why can't the same thing be said about victory? If, if you have a victorious mindset, you will have victory over your life. There's, if you constantly have depressing thoughts and a weak mind, you will give into temptation and sin and always be depressed. But if you have a victorious mindset and a positive mind, you will have victory over your life. Another story that I like from David is him and Goliath. Like this huge giant, like, I'm sure anyone would be scared, just like I am right now, <laughs> to fight that giant. <laughs> But with the mindset, I don't feel like he just went in there unprepared. He prayed, he fasted, 
And importantly, he had a victorious mindset. Too many of us will go to war, a spiritual war, defeated and not ready because we haven't prayed or fasted. If you have the mindset of a victorious person, you will have victory and your family will have victory. There's prodigals that are ready to come back, but you don't fully believe that they will come back. If you keep the mindset that God has done it in the past, he'll do it again. And there's so many times where we don't have that faith, but we've known he does, he's done it, but we don't think he could do it in our lives or in our situation. But if you have the thought and if you pray that he will, then eventually he will. It won't happen instantly, but it will happen. If he's made a way before, the, he will do it again. I know this was short, but I'd like to end with this. Be careful with the thoughts you allow in, to come in your mind because certain thoughts will lead you down the, bad, the wrong path and it's hard to escape that path at times. And certain thoughts will influence you and you have to be careful what you allow to influence you. My final saying, I will like to encourage you that God is a God of the impossible, and there's nothing he can't do that's too hard for him. He's done it before, he'll do it again. Thank you. Come on, give him one more hand. It's not easy being up here. Give him one more hand. That was a great word, great word. Come on, before you sit down, look at about two or three people and tell them if he did it before, he can do it again. Woo, that's powerful. All right, y'all can be seated. Man, what an amazing word we heard so far, my gosh. I tell you, the future is bright, right? The future is bright, amen? All right, the next young lady that's coming up, I believe this is her first time speaking. I think it's her first time. Uh, one word comes to mind when I think of this young lady, and it's resilience. Resilience. Um, she's an awesome example, such a good example of a, of a young woman on fire for God, first one to pray, first one to get, come leave the altar. This young lady is amazing. She's inspiring. And I'd like to welcome Riley Torres. Come on, y'all. She's ready. I can tell. She is ready. Okay, 
So I'd like to start off in the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 32, verses 6 through 8. When you have it, say amen. Or when you're looking on the screen. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. <laughs> and the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and he also cometh to meet thee, and four hundred men with him. Then, J- then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that was with him, and the flocks and herds and the camels into two bands, and said, If Esau come to the one, comp- uh, yeah, the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. Um, so uh, tonight I'd like to talk about uh, the title of my message is Forgiveness. So you may be seated. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, if you don't know the story, um, uh, Jacob is coming back to his homeland because Jacob has just served his father-in-law Laban 20 years, 14 years for his two daughters and six years for his cattle. And he's coming back home to his homeland because God told him to. And Jacob has a twin brother named Esau. And before Jacob left, Esau and him did not leave on a good note at all. Esau actually wanted to kill Jacob. So now that Jacob's coming back to his homeland, he's afraid that Esau's going to kill him. And because now it's not just Jacob, it's his, it's his wives, his children, and his flocks, and everything that he has. And he's afraid that he's going to kill him. And that's why he separates them into two bands or two camps. And, um, and um, so that's, uh, but you, uh, there's... A- <laughs> Um, but they actually have a different response when they do meet each other than you, you might expect. Um, so I'd like to go to skip ahead to Genesis uh, 33, verses uh, 3 through 11. It says, and, this is when they're seeing each other again. And he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. And he lift up his eyes and saw the women and the children and said, Who are those with thee? And he said, The children which God hath graciously given thy servants. And the handsmaidens came near, they and their children, and they bowed themselves. And Leah also with her children came near and bowed themselves. And after came jo- Joseph near and Rachel, and they bowed themselves. And he said, What meanest thou by all this drove which I met? And he said, These are to find grace in the sight of my Lord. And Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep that thou hast unto thyself. And Jacob said, Nay, I pray thee, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand. For therefore I have seen the face as though I had seen the face of God, and thou wast pleased with me. Take, I pray thee, my blessing that is brought to thee, because God hath dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. And he urged him and betook it. So when I read this, when I was reading, um, because I'm currently trying to read through the Bible, and when I was reading those scriptures, I just thought how amazing um, Esau was for forgiving Jacob for all that he's done. And I will get into what Jacob did in a little bit. But, um, and I was just like, wow, that's crazy. Because, you know, sometimes it is hard to forgive people. And we, it's not always easy. And it uh, takes a lot of time and a lot of prayer. And sometimes um, people will keep that bitterness and anger in their hearts, which isn't good. Because then that means we can't grow and be the person that God wants us to be. So siblings, how many of you in here have a sibling? <laughs> um, as siblings, you know that we have an interesting relationship. And what I mean by that is one day you're like, oh, I love them so much. They're so cool. And then the next day you want to throw a pillow at their face. <laughs> um, and 
I believe siblings are one of the most important relationships and strongest relationships. I believe it goes God, parents, siblings, and then everyone else. And you may disagree with me, but I believe that because I know without God and without my sister that I would not have been able to get through the things that I went through. And if you know me personally, you know that I went through a lot. And my sister was there for me, and she was able to help me get through those things. And so I'm grateful for her, and I'm so excited for what she has for her life. Um, but anyways, Esau and Jacob did not have that amazing sibling relationship or bond. Um, you can, uh, I'll go to uh, Genesis 25, verses... Um, 29 to 34, it says, this is the kind of relationship they have. And Jacob and sawed porridge, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red porridge, for I am faint. Therefore his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die, and what profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, swear to me this day, and he sware to him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and porridge of lentils, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. So... Jacob took Esau's birthright, and he um, took advantage of him because he was at the point of death. He was working hard in the field, and he was about to die. And Esau, and Jacob, I mean, sorry, Jacob did not care. And he just, that's all he wanted was the birthright. And I'm not too sure why Jacob treated Esau this way, but a reason is, could be that there was favoritism be, um, between them. Um, Isaac loved Esau more because he had the taste for wild or the wild games. But Rebecca loved Jacob. And that could explain why the, um, the, there, uh, Jacob and there was such division between the two. Um, and so another thing that Jacob did to him is um, I'd like to read Genesis 27, 7. It says, hold on, sorry. says, Genesis 7 says, bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. So that's Isaac talking to uh, Esau. And um, Isaac was at the point of, he was at his old age and he was blind and he was about to die. And so he wanted to bless Esau before he died. But Rebecca overheard this and he want, she wanted Jacob to get blessed instead of him. And so she made up this whole plan and, um, she made up this whole plan, and she was going to clothe Jacob in goatskin because he was uh, less hairy than his brother. And it worked. And I want to skip ahead to Genesis 27, to chapter 27, verse 21 to 23. It says, And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel that thee my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and felt him, and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were very hairy, were hairy as his brother's, Esau's hands, so he blessed him. So Jacob took Esau's blessing, and when Esau found out, he was so angry, he was so mad, and he was very bitter about it, and he, that's why he wanted to kill Jacob. And, but Jacob was fled before he could, and now 20 years coming back, now they see each other. And when you read that scripture, Genesis 33, 3-11, you'll just be, I was just amazed because after everything Jacob had done to Esau, Esau was able to forgive him. And I think that's important that we remember that because I know in the, 
people, um, evil people can do very evil things to us, and it's hard to forgive. And I'm not saying it's easy, but it's important that we forgive so that we don't hold on to anger and bitterness and that we give it to God so he may help us. I would like to read the scripture in Matthew 21 to 22. It's Matthew, sorry, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 22. It says, Then came Peter to him and said to the Lord, How oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgave him till seven times. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee seven times, but until seventy times seven. So God doesn't actually need mean to forgive somebody 490 times and I know there's people out there who would actually count so don't do that (laughs) but God means to have a never-ending way of forgiveness because he has that for us so who are (laughs) so who are we to not forgive someone of their trespasses if God forgives us gives us of ours. So um, I I would like to leave on this. It's important that we forgive each other. So that's all. Thank you. Come on, how many were ever in need of forgiveness? Can you just remember for just a second, just a couple seconds, remember when you were in need of forgiveness and God was there for you. Praise God. You can be seated. All right, so our last speaker. Wow, these kids have been going crazy. Wow, let's go. Man, they're digging in the word and I love it. I'm here for it. Our last speaker, you always remember, you always remember someone who was kind and parents will tell you, you always remember the people who are, or people who are kind to your children. And I'll never forget, she was one of the first ones to walk up to Brooke uh, and invite her to be a part of the young people and come and sit with us and hang with us. And the rest is history, obviously. The rest is history. So um, I'm very grateful for her, for her family. Um, they're such an amazing asset to the church. They're an asset to us as a youth group and us personally. And, yeah, I want to invite Natalie Diaz up. Just give me like a second to get um, situated. Uh, okay. um, I wanted to thank everybody who gave me this opportunity to speak here tonight. I want to thank Tim and Jay and my family and Pastor and Sister Johnson. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing me to speak here today. Um, so, my scripture, if you could stand, is uh, Zephaniah chapter one, verses twelve through thirteen, and I'm reading in the ESV. Yeah, I have it. Okay. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. 
Their goods shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. Uh, you may be seated. Um, when I was thinking about what to say today, I wasn't really sure because usually when I'm asked to speak, uh, the Lord gives me a verse or just a thought to expand on. But um, I didn't really get that this time, so I had to dig in the Word and dig in prayer and find what He wanted me to say. <laughs> um, and usually as I'm developing whatever Word that He's given me, I feel that it applies like so much to myself. I'm like, is this for them or is this just for me? I'm not really sure. Um, so then I began to think about my current state and the current state of the church and what would best apply to what I need to hear and what we all need to hear. Um, so today, with the help of God, I'm going to be speaking on complacency. Um, for those of you who don't know what complacency is, um, it's defined as self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by unawareness of actual dangers or deficiencies. Um, so this is basically my thesis. Our walk with God was not meant to be not meant to stay in one place or remain stagnant. We are called for more. This means that we must continually seek after God. Uh, complacency can grow from many different things. Uh, I've seen it, how I've seen it grow in my life the most is through fear. Um, I tend to be afraid of going deeper with God and seeing what he has as I continue to search him in prayer and in the word and in fasting. Because going deeper means that I won't be able to predict what happens. You know, the deeper you get in the sea, the darker it gets, and you don't see what's around you, so you have to trust in your equipment that you have. You have to trust in God. So I tend to stay where I'm comfortable because I know what's going to happen. I know, oh, this is going to happen next because I've done this. It's just easier that way. And... I think that's sometimes why we don't let go of our sin. Because when we are in sin, we have, a certain, we have a certain cycle and a certain road that we follow. So it's easier to predict, oh, if I be disobedient today, then I know that this will happen. I mean, it's not great, but you know that it's going to happen rather than if you end that cycle. And after so long, it eventually just becomes part of us, and then it becomes a lying spirit because it's been part of us for so long that we feel like we don't know who we are without it. It's, it the devil begins to lie to us and say, you're only that because of your sin. This, you can only be so much, and without your sin, you're nothing. But our identity is in Jesus because we have been born again in him. <laughs> This, this next part isn't like perfectly fit with my message, but I want to speak on it just because I find it so interesting. Uh, just the fact that our complacency or our spiritual state can be evident in our body language when we pray. Because our body wants to react to the spiritual, which is why like some things in the spirit can be evident in the physical. Like I remember one time I was in prayer and I felt scared scared and unsafe, so slowly but surely I was like getting on the down, and then I ended up in the fetal position, which is, it's called that because that's the position that you were in when you were in your mother's womb, when you were safe before you came into the world. That just shows that you're wanting to feel safe and you don't feel it currently, but also you have to be aware 
of when you're in that position because when you're in that position, it gets easier to just grab onto your flesh and to hug yourself as tight as you can. And that's what I found myself doing that one night in prayer. So I began to hold onto my flesh rather than let go and get to get God. That's why when we pray, we have to lift both of our hands because when you're in war and you surrender, you lift both of your hands because you're, you're exposed from every area they can get you. There's no way that you can protect yourself, which is why it's so important to raise your hands in prayer. And there's, there's a lot more to go into the body language. Complacency can also be born through a lot of other things. Um, I've also experienced it as a result of guilt. Uh, there are times in prayer where I get frustrated because I don't know what to pray or feel like I'm praying wrong, so to speak. And so I decide not to pray. But then I'm like, what are you doing? Why aren't you praying? So I get frustrated that and I'm just stuck in a cycle. And then eventually I just end up not praying because I feel guilty and confused. But um, one time when that was happening, a message that was spoken by Brother Joss came to my mind. And his message was basically, the devil wants to shut you up. As long as he can shut you up, then he's already won. So if he can stop you from praying, stop you from talking with God, stop you from searching his word, then he's already won. It doesn't even have to be like, he doesn't even want to stop you from like interceding. He just wants to stop you from talking, even talking about your day with God. Because in that you can find peace. He's trying, so don't be afraid to pray and pray loudly. I remember one time when I was praying in a prayer meeting and prayer was over, but I still felt to continue praying. And I felt God say to me, like, I gave you this whole room, so fill your voice with it. And I just began to pray in tongues. Um, complacency is born of a lot of things, but those are just the things that I've seen it most evident in my life, but can also um, lead to other things, like disobedience, because this is something I have trouble with a lot. Um, I feel like I'll, I'll feel like in the altar call to pray for someone, and then I'll think about it for like 10 minutes. I'm like, was that God, or was that just me trying to be like special, like... Am I even ordained to go over there and pray for them? Like, is that the right thing to do? And then I just wait so long that eventually it just becomes disobedience. Like, it's not that I'm not wanting to do it. I'm scared to do it, but I'm, like, willing to do it. But because I've waited so long, sometimes they'll leave, and then I won't get the chance to pray for them, and that's disobedience. Um, in 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23, it says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For the rebellion is as the sin of divination and, or wait, where's the, sorry. In this, in this version I'm reading it says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Uh, I remember not too long ago, before 
Tim was our youth pastor, Josh uh, preached on those verses, and he teached about how disobedience is just as bad as witchcraft. You may not even be meaning to, but just because you prolong your obedience, that's already disobedience. God has called us to more and has made our calling very evident. Like, I know at least half, most likely more than the youth group knows what they're called to go because God has a hand on our youth group and he has made it known to most of you guys through our wonderful leaders and through our wonderful peers. Complacency is easy to fall into because it's where we are comfortable, but it ultimately leads to disobedience and death. It can creep in through fear, guilt, and laziness. We are called by God and don't have to wait to fulfill our calling. We must continue to seek after God in order to further our calling or to prepare for it. And what I want to leave you here tonight with is a quote that our former youth pastor, Josh, used to say all the time, and it's that you are not called to sit on a pew. So. Thank you. I'd like to have everyone in the sanctuary, if you'd be so kind to stand as the youth are making their way. I want them to come up to the altar at this time. All the youth, all the youth, you got the green light. Come on up, come on up. I want all of the youth to come up. How many are so thankful and proud of the students that just spoke into our lives? Awesome, awesome. My heart is full. I am encouraged, I am challenged. And I'm thankful today that as we come to a conclusion on this Wednesday evening together, that God does not dismiss the heart and the voice, the desire and the passion of young men and young ladies. When the armies were gathered together, standing, it was Goliath there, as Ryan made mention of, yelling out, challenging. He was staring into the eyes of grown men he was staring into the eyes of men that knew what battle was. He was staring into the eyes of men that knew what it was to win. He was staring into the eyes of men that knew and had experience. Yet they were frozen in fear. God desired to give his people victory. And when they looked at everyone else that was qualified, when they looked at everyone else's opinion and they looked at everyone else that people like you and I would have confidence in, we would have, we would have chose a warrior. We would have chosen someone that had been to battle. If it came down to it and they said, it's your decision, who do you want to send? Do you want to send somebody that has experience? Or do you want to send somebody that's never even been on a battlefield? You and I would have made the same decision. We would have chosen a warrior. We would have chosen the strongest. We would have chosen the tallest. We would have chosen the mightiest in reputation. The problem was 
that person would not step up. And when God wanted to give his people victory, it was a young man that took his time to tend sheep that didn't belong to him. It was a young man that took time to learn an instrument that nobody else would even hear him play. It was just the sheep. But he would take the time to develop a talent that nobody else would ever appreciate that he thought. But little did he know that the eyes of God Almighty were not on the warrior, were not on the mighty. It was on a young man that had a heart for him. And on this Wednesday evening, I am so encouraged and I am so thankful that I can stare into the eyes of young men and young ladies today that they could feel and they could be reminded that God does want to give his people victory. God does want to do great things in Revival Church. But I am so thankful that as a church family, we understand and believe that victory can come through the youth of our church. I am so thankful that there are young men and young ladies when they don't know that God is actually paying attention to them. They took the time to develop a skill. They took the time to get into their Bible. They've been taking time to fast and to pray every Monday night. They've been coming for years now. That is what God takes and looks at and says, I know everyone probably thinks it's going to be an adult. But what they didn't know is there would be a Riley Torres speaking on forgiveness. What they didn't know is that there would be a Ryan Paul talking about how it begins with the thought. And the same way you can have a thought that can lead you to disappointment, you can also have a thought that can lead you to victory. They didn't realize it that Ashland could begin to talk about incomplete faith. She didn't know, but somebody walked in on Wednesday night feeling like you were incomplete. And if you would just take action, God would do something in your life. They may not have realized it, Natalie, but just beginning to talk and beginning to challenge, don't be complacent. Don't be satisfied where you are. I know you show up every Wednesday. I know you know all the songs. I I know you preached and I know you played and I know you do all of that time and time again. But don't get comfortable because God has more. And little did they know that there is victory that flows and comes into a church because of young men and young ladies that are standing here today. And if I can personalize it for just a moment, not only are they just young men and young ladies in this church, they are sons and daughters in this church. They are, we're gonna pray for them in just a moment, but I wanna say this to all the parents that are taking time. You have young men and young ladies here today. Some of you are aunts and uncles and you look and sometimes you feel like you're not a good enough parent. Sometimes you feel like you don't have all it takes. Sometimes you feel like you let them down, but I feel the Lord today and I just wanna encourage you and say this, this is the greatest investment you could ever make. I know you're not perfect, but get them to the church. I know you don't have it all together, no parent does, but put them in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to ask our church family if you would gather around them very quickly. This is how we're ending tonight. I want you to gather around them today. I want these young men and young ladies to know 
that we don't look at them singing and preaching and saying, oh, that's just cute. Oh, that's just cute. No, that's victory today. That's powerful today. There is power in their words. There is power in their worship. There is so many services that it is the, the atmosphere is created from young men and young ladies from young men and young ladies. Sometimes as adults, we get so caught up in responsibilities, we get so distracted with everything else going on that it's the young men and young ladies that create an atmosphere for God to touch our life. Come on, somebody. It's, it's the atmosphere. It's the faith of a young man, a young lady. It's the faith of a youth group that sets a church on fire. And I want you right now, every, I want every young person to know how much they're loved, how much they're cared for. But I don't want it to be something that's just said. I want them to, I want them to know and understand by the prayers of the church. Maybe you're looking today, you don't have a son and daughter up here, that's okay. Would you find somebody that you can invest in through prayer? Right now, maybe some of you don't even know their name. You just seen their face, but right now, There's victory from these young people. It's not cute. We don't dismiss it. This Wednesday evening just isn't a you take over and that was nice. Clap our hands. Oh no. These are young men and young ladies that are doing great things for God. That have a purpose. That have a calling. That are a vital part of what God is doing in our church today and around the world. We're not ashamed. We're not embarrassed. I want them to know this is the church that believes in the youth. This is the church that believes in the next generation. This is the church that loves them. This is the church that's going to hold them up. Yeah, there may be some mistakes in your life because there were in all of ours. But just so you know, we're here to hold you. We're here to pick you up. We're here to help carry you through. church family you may not be able to put your hand on their shoulder right now but you can see them from across the room would you pray over them some of them do this all by themselves some of them do this with the family some do it in a single parent home some do this because their grandparents have held on to them and brought them to the church would you let them know that there's a church that loves them would you take a moment on this Wednesday evening say I'm going to invest in prayer I may not even talk to that young man or young lady a lot, but I've seen them from across the room. I've seen their passion and their hunger. I'm going to cover them in prayer every day. I'm going to plead the blood over their life. I'm going to pray the Lord's blessing over them. I'm going to pray the Lord's keeping power over them. I declare it today. These are the young men and young ladies that will reach the children of those that are in our church. These are young men and young ladies reach the grandchildren of people in our church. We're not embarrassed about it. We believe it. Both our young men and young ladies, God, doing works around the world. Mission strips, missionaries, Sunday school teachers, business owners, dear God. These are the people, God, that you've called to evangelize our city. These are the young people you've called to evangelize our world. We're not ashamed or embarrassed about it. We're not intimidated. No, no, we're grateful. We're grateful.
put them on our shoulders. 